Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. No, very correct. We would not have a show. But you could do it in 10 minutes on the street for someone who was on their lunch hour and leave them with a commitment to be baptised if the spirit prompted you so. I'd stop going out for lunch after that and bring a pack up. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot cheaper. You don't, <laughs> you don't lose 52 days holiday a year or 10% of your income and the rest. Okay, so we've convinced them that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And okay. now, now we're saying, how can you test that? And that is the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. you had some angels there in the background absolutely uh so the book of mormon you'd slap out that navy blue book with the gold gilded writing and you'd put it there in front of them and say here's a physical thing that you can test an actual history of the ancient inhabitants of the americas they weren't supposed to test it there and there though right they were supposed to was that part of the commitment that they would test this before you met with them again? Yes, that was that was one of the final commitments that you'd say to them. Um, you know, you take this and the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we get to next, will tell you that it's true. Um, Did the books come with pre-highlighted sections that you wanted your investigators to read before you met with them again? Or were you happy for them to just, you know, pick any of it? It's almost like I've prepared you and you didn't just rush in two minutes before this broadcast started. Okay. Because that is a great question, Sister PD. No, what we'd have is in every Book of Mormon, you'd have uh, pass-along cards placed in the introduction and Third Nephi chapter 11 and Moroni 10, 3 to 5. So you're basically wanting them to read the parts that you've touched upon in your first meeting yeah. to consolidate that what you were saying is true because it's written down in a book. Absolutely, because everything that's written is true. Yes. So the introduction, because that tells you what it is. Third Nephi chapter 11, because that's when Jesus visits the Americas and... They're basically reading the New Testament. And then Moroni 10, 3 to 5, because that's Moroni's promise where they can read about how to prove that the book is true, um, which is a little trick that a lot of people used to do, not just um, Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. The, the whole shtick back then was, here's my book, pray about it, you'll feel good, and that means that I'm right. Yeah, crazy. But something I wanted to touch on is something that we discussed in the past before and something that really annoyed me because it, was, it says here, show the investigators a copy of the Book of Mormon. You might show them some of the features just here in the show, such as the title page, the introduction, and the testimonies, and the table of contents. That's not interesting. But I always used to read the introduction with them because I thought that was the most informative part of the book in some respects. Um, because that's where it speaks about the Book of Mormon being the most correct of any book on earth. And it also speaks about who the book's written for. It's written for the Lamanites. And it speaks about who the Lamanites are. 
and we can see over on oh skip that one on this page so here on the left have you been to the loft and dug out your scriptures so that you could take a picture of this darling my missionary scriptures are right here saved by sister pd and i've taken a picture of it yeah so you managed to find them without saying can you find me these yeah do you know where do you know where this is <laughs> but um down here in the one end of the second paragraph of the introduction speaking about the civilizations about the jaredites and then about lehi and his family it says after thousands of years all were destroyed except the lamanites and they are the principal ancestors of the american indians and those were your scriptures on your mission and you would show this introduction to your investigators whether that be on the street whether that be their homes and you were pointing this bit out to them you were saying this is cool yeah and to, to be honest with you sister pd i've looked at several sets of scriptures in the home today and they all say this so even the ones that were bought recently Oh. say this so i don't know if they were just old stock left over for a few years or if uh, parents bought them a really long time ago but they said that as well so we've only got the version on the left in our yes. household yeah and i think it was around 2006 they updated sorry they updated uh, the wording because after all dna came about and the church jumped to it and said right we're going to prove the book of mormon right here and so did a lot of other people and started doing dna testing on native american indians and found that there was no relation to um middle, the middle east and they couldn't find lehi's dna at all so they changed to this image on the right this i took this today from the church's website um, on the introduction to the Book of Mormon. Uh, and it reads very similar. After thousands of years, all were destroyed except the Lamanites, and they are among the ancestors of the American Indians. So they've changed the word principle to among. And that really got my goat because I, I, I taught, I was proud to teach that they were the principal ancestors. Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at Ruth. It, correct ruth they got rid of all the principles they cannot have any principles anymore remove them no get rid um but yeah it's 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 right there and that that really annoyed me because that was that was like subtle gaslighting just changing the words well slightly. i was just about to say i've i've come on your show you've asked me nicely you didn't want to make a fool of me because i can just about do that by myself but honestly these are the little things i just would overlook I would be reading so quickly or i wouldn't even look at that again i it wouldn't register with me i know that you are different and you know the things that you look at different things stick out to you but and we talk about this there must be many many active members now with their day dot set of scriptures who still 100 percent do not know that that introduction in the printed Book of Mormons has changed. Would you agree with me, PD? Absolutely. They, you know, but as long as they're okay with that and they're on the covenant path, who cares? Yeah, does it, does it matter if we change a few words? 
no well more than that's changed but you know it's the, <laughs> it's the most correct of any book on earth yeah so but we still need to change it every now and then to fit the different um theology of the time maybe they would use change update okay well yeah update line upon line um so an, another part here it speaks about joseph translating now we had this awesome flip chart kind of cards of gospel um artwork okay so you'd have one of jesus and heavenly father you've had the first vision and you go through them like an interactive um presentation it was great and when you got to um translating because all it says in here is he was commanded to translate the writings of ancient prophets these writings were found in the book of mormon but, did, you, did you not have your fancy photo flip chart in your box? No, you have failed me. No, you failed. Yeah. So, but... These... Were any of these images in your fancy flip chart? Yeah, so I, I think that the one that I remember the most is here. On the left-hand side, uh, just below translation, you can see Joseph and Oliver there by lamplight um, reading from the joseph's reading from the plates and oliver's writing down um, and they both look like sterling young men but yeah the way that the church portrays it is that joseph literally translated from the characters on the plates and this is what the investigators are being taught when they first meet two mormon missionaries on the street in their lunch hour yeah because that's not weird is it no. I mean, if, if you've already got to the point where you don't think it's weird that a guardian spirit gave these gold plates to a 14-year-old boy, well, it wasn't a 14 when they got him, but if, if that's not weird, then translating them isn't weird either. No, it's kind of how you'd expect it to go. Yeah, but we've got a special one here because the actual um, accounts show a different story. And this is something that a lot of people have had issue with. This this rucksack in the bottom left-hand corner, this golden thing, is um, someone's impression of the breastplate taken from Joseph Smith's description. So that that front that's a front plate that goes on the breast, and then those two big diamonds are the seer stones that he sees through. So at least in the Urim and Thummim, there were seer stones, even though they were made to look like glasses. But in actual fact, as many of you already know, um, it was the rock in the hat. And I'm thinking, so paranormal investigation, I'm thinking of taking a rock in a hat and sitting for a while in the dark and seeing if anything appears on the rock in the hat. Are you going to find yourself a top hat? No, well, he's using the hat of the day, so I think I'll use a baseball cap <laughs> because God's down with the kids of the day, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll use a baseball cap and a, a rock out the back garden because that rock was only from digging a well. It was nothing special, you know. There was no incantation or anything said over it that we know. We will find you a non-special rock. Yes, with you, a non-special rock. Okay. But the, the literal accounts were that words would appear on the rock and that he'd read the words off, and if they weren't written down correctly, then... Um, the words wouldn't change until they were written down correctly and spelled correctly. And funnily enough, those spelling errors have been corrected in future versions of the Book of Mormon. Wow. So, yeah, Heavenly Father needs a spell check. Uh, but 
the Book of Mormon from the rock. And if you're talking to someone on their lunch hour and they're still stood there after the point that you tell them that the words appeared on the rock and he wrote them down, you're golden. They are getting baptized. You didn't used to teach the rock though, did you? No, because because at the time I didn't know about the rock. It, it wasn't up. true. Um, but Bushman, Richard Bushman, uh, church apologist, historian, is very honest. Um, in a Fair Mormon podcast, episode three, he says, and, and this is the writing on the right-hand side, I will begin by saying that we still have pictures on our ward bulletin boards of Joseph Smith and the gold plates in front of him. This has become an irksome point, and I think it is something the church should pay attention to because anyone who studies the history knows that is not what happened. This is a church historian. There is no church historian who says that is what happened, and yet it is being propagated by the church, and it feeds into the notion that the church is trying to cover up embarrassing episodes and is sort of... Uh, prettify in its own history embarrassing episodes are covering up so i think we ought to stop that immediately i'm not sure we need a lot of pictures in our chapels of joseph looking into his hat but we certainly should tell our children that's how it worked thank you because in the first paragraph when it talked about ward bulletin boards i spent a lot of time in primary nursery you know we talk about indoctrinating them from whatever age these kids at the age of 18 months old before they can even speak properly are being taught about the gold plates yeah yeah well he says going on about the rock in the hat oh go on i've just touched his leg one of the best lessons i ever received not taught but one of the best lessons i ever received um, in primary was when our primary teacher brought some gold plates to the lesson. The, I kid you not, you know, wow. we were allowed to touch them. You know, I think they came in a cloth. That stuck with me. Yeah. Now I'm imagining our children sat there with a baseball cap and a not-so-special rock and whether that would stick with them. <laughs> Probably not. But, you, you know, you see, I just... It really frustrates me. I think that we ought to just stop that immediately. But I'll let you carry on. No, it's okay. I was going to say, if you touch my leg one more time, that'll be the most action I've had all month. <laughs> Don't laugh. Uh, so he says, it's weird. It's a weird picture sitting with your, your face in the hat. It implies it's like darkening a room when we show slides. It implies that there is an image appearing in the stone and that light would make it more difficult to see that image. So that implies a translation that's a reading and so gives us a little clue about the whole translation process. It also raises the strange question, what in the world are the plates for? Why do we need them on the table if they're just wrapped up in a cloth while he looks into the seer stone? I feel like that's a whole other episode. Like Is it what? not just to have some golden shine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like every young man wants a golden shiny uh, set of plates. But yeah, that Emma never saw. 
No, Emma never saw them, no. With her own eyes? No. Even though they lived in her house? At times, yeah. Man, she was an obedient wife. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if I came over with, with a set of gold plates and said, I'm going to bang everyone in the village because those gold plates say so? Yeah, I'd have been straight on to finding where you've hidden them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Never looked. And then even the people that did look. Because in some of these images, it kind of shows that um, Oliver Cowdery can see them on the table in front of him. But that, yep. that wasn't the case. Some of them it shows, like you can see here, the curtain. Um, so that Oliver couldn't see the translation process taking place. But other than that, the the witnesses, because we in the discussion we talk about the witnesses, you show them the testimony of the three and the eight witnesses, yeah. right? Um, but those testimonies are dodgy because the eight witnesses, the signatures are all in the same hand, that of Oliver Cowdery. And there are contemporary accounts of them saying that Joseph kind of forced that on them. And they all had um, a, a different... They, they were all either related to Joseph or had some kind of skin in the game. So they would. And the three witnesses, um, what do they say? They saw, they saw them with their like spiritual, spiritual eyes. eyes. But so they imagined them. We've talked about this before. Do you not think that roll back the clock, I know the church can't do that, if they had just told the truth, I think that people would have gone with it. Yeah, it'd have been less it'd have been less weird a hundred years later. I just I don't And it, know. it will be less weird in a hundred years. Wow. You know, if the church is still even around. I just think that as as a people, Mormons are very believing people and therefore just say it how it is instead of yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're gullible. <laughs> Principle six, the Holy Ghost a witness of truth. So you've led the uh, investigator through this magical mystery tour of telling them, you know, that there is a God, there is a Jesus, that you can know um, everything by the power of the Holy Ghost and Joseph Smith, prophets, Book of Mormon, and now you're going to find out that it's all true. Um, so I circled just there, the Holy Ghost will help you know that Joseph Smith was called of God to be a witness of Christ. Once you know these things, you can know that other things we have been discussing are true. So it's a bit like the choice thing then, really. If you make this one choice, then all your other choices are taken care of. It is, If you yeah. know that Joseph's, you know, a prophet, then you don't need to worry about anything else at all. It's all true. Yeah, so it's, it's our... It's our um job as missionaries to teach the person how to recognize the feelings of the spirit and to do that you basically if you felt good if you kind of spoke softly the room was warm you were very intense and kind of there with them then you could say i'm feeling the spirit right now are you feeling the spirit that that feeling of the curry last night that's the spirit so and that's how they would then label it forevermore. And that's what we do with primary children, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know, we teach them that that still small voice, you know, that burning in the bosom, the warm and fuzzies, as Doug puts it, is the spirit. So you leave them with the commitment to learn that these things are true through the power of the Holy Ghost um, with Moroni's promise that you read, ponder, and pray. Interesting that it says down there at the bottom that you're supposed to let them know that the influence of the Holy Spirit is just usually quite a peaceful, good feeling. It's not necessarily going to be something that's quite dramatic. So basically, like you just said, something you could just feel after having your meals, you know. you. Isn't it funny, though, how um, you really have to kind of pick the bones out of the whole thing to find the truth? God makes it so obscure yeah. to find the truth that it is literally just a tiny, tiny happy feeling um, that, the the investigator might feel yeah it's strange isn't it but from this i've got a couple of points the first being which church is true well i'm assuming you didn't get that out on the street no you didn't so <laughs> i i always thought i knew about the rlds and you're like hmm, rlds they're weird uh, which we know they're not um you can watch the interview with stacy cram the first presidency member of the RLDS, she came on the show, she was great. But from Preach My Gospel, the current one at the top here, reading, pondering, and praying about the Book of Mormon are critical for an enduring conversion. Those who begin reading the Book of Mormon for the first time take important steps towards coming to know that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God and that the true church has been restored to the earth. But which bloody one? You know, uh, we did the gospel tangents. Uh, sorry. Um, into, I, go on. I find it weird that it puts enduring and conversion in the same sentence. I don't know about you, but when I was still going to church, the word enduring was always like a frowned upon word. It, you know, it always meant something was like going to be hard, going to be difficult. But maybe that maybe that is what they're saying now when preach my gospel about conversion, that it is going to be hard and it is going to be difficult, but that you've, you know, you've you've got to keep at it. We we do. Yeah. Well, as Auntie Queenie says, when the base is a lie, everything that follows is grown from lies. And there have been over five hundred different sects, all stemming from Joseph Smith. So if the I Book didn't know of, that number either. Yeah, yeah. So but if the Book of Mormon's true, so if you look back at a show three or four shows back, Mormonism shattered. And we talk about that. And um, there's the Encyclopedia of the Smith Rigdon Movement. And we talk to the author and we go through, yeah, how it all just shattered into over 500 pieces. But the Book of Mormon would then mean that if Joseph Smith was a prophet, one of those 500 was true. Yep. You don't tell them that on the street because you only you're the right one, apparently. Okay, next. This is an interesting video. Just cut a short bit out of this video. The full uh, link can be found uh, in the description below. And it's a great video about um, comparing different testimonies from different religions. And I've just got a couple here. I think I've seen this full one. Okay. The first one is from a brother who's obviously a devout Mormon talking about his conversion. 
The second one is from a young sister that's heartbreaking, and it's about her conversion in a polygamous sect of Mormonism. And then the ones that carry on after that are from uh, members of Islam. Um, But let's just have a, a quick listen here. I began to read the Book of Mormon and pray to know for myself. And it was a simple prayer. And as I'm having the feelings now, I had the same feelings then. It made me cry. I was crying and I didn't know why. But there was this wonderful feeling that had come over me. And it was very clear to me. Uh, God was saying, it's true. I've been searching for, for a witness of this work and of this church. And, and just tonight, I got my witness. And it's burning within my soul of how important this work is and how true it is. I know it is. And it's hard to believe that just a year ago I was in high school. And now I'm in a plural marriage and struggling. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is the Lord's work, that I have finally found it. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Make a supplication. Allah, help me. Guide me. Guide me to the truth. If you guide me to the truth, I'll never leave it. And I knew in my heart, Allah was telling me in my heart, that Islam, this is, this, this is true. You know? And I knew right there it was the correct religion. And at that point, I had this feeling of, um, of just peace, just, uh, that's how I describe it, like peace with everywhere, within me, the outside, uh, it, <laughs> it gets me a bit now, but I had this, it was a completely different feeling for me, and, and, and it's changed my life since that day, and, and, I, and I've never looked back since. It came with such clarity and such power that I could understand it is nothing else but uh, an invitation from God. In fact, she says it was Jesus himself who led her to Islam. Wow. But how many of those have you heard in testimony meeting? Obviously not Jesus leading Islam. One of the things I think I was, um, I am a very emotional person and you less so. And I think that, you know, for me, that was very much about the feeling. And I would put that down to using the words I know because of the feeling and um, your, you know, awakening or struggle, whatever you would call it. Um, you know, people, have, if they've seen your Mormon stories, will see that you were a less emotional person. And I actually think that this was one of the videos you asked me to watch and say, look, Everybody can say the same thing, but it's about there's something different. So you need to be prepared to open your eyes. Yes, you've been told this is the one true church. But if I put all these people in front of you, Mr. PD, and took away what they were talking about, you know, you wouldn't know. You, you have expressed to me that somebody can feel so strong about one thing and somebody else can feel so strong about another thing. And it's all circumstantial. And now I'm trying to live my life less about 
how things feel. Obviously, I'm still an emotional bit, but it's about how things feel. And more about sometimes life is going to go your way, and other times it isn't going to go your way. You were in the right place, you were in the wrong place, you passed, failed, you met this person, you didn't meet this person. All we can do is our best, but it's really difficult to do your best if you've been lied to. Yeah, and uh, if anyone didn't already know, Sister PD has just doxed me as being dead behind the eyes. <laughs> but it's very true. You know, I, I did put that in front of you and just say everyone has the same conversion to their own individual religion. And later on in that video, there's actually a guy in Australia who believes that he's Jesus Christ. And yeah, I've seen that video. Yeah, he says, deal with it. Uh, Doug, the link is in the description below. Uh, if you can't find it, message me and I'll send it to you again. Um, but yeah, it's... So the, the whole relying on the spirit thing to find truth when everyone gets a different or everyone gets a truthful kind of confirmation of what they want to be true. I think it, it becomes compound as well. The teachings that we're being taught about relying on, you know, the Holy Spirit, you will be very aware that I was very paranoid about post-Mormonism. What would I teach my children? How would I know what to teach them, what is right and what is wrong? And you literally said to me, Sister PD, do you know the difference as a human being between right and wrong? But yeah, it just felt so wrong to be parented almost without that extra help. And uh, I'm sure if we brought the mini PDs in now, they'd, they'd say we were doing a substandard job. But you know what? They've yeah. got no choice, really. Well, they don't want to be at church on a Sunday. <laughs> Um, Doug Vincent, there is a guy, uh, Matthew Gill, who got his own set of plates and has another testament of Jesus Christ on top of the other testament of Jesus Christ on top of the Bible. Uh, and we interviewed him as well. Um, putting next on the line, I'll put a link uh, just above for anyone who wants to click through to that. Uh, I like this one here from Ruth. It is self-soothing. We're all just trying to reassure ourselves that our decision was right. And, and I think that goes on in the ex-Mormon community as well. Not so much with the Holy Spirit, but with kind of facts and logic. We'll Just we, because it's a big decision leaving Mormonism, isn't it? We're talking about facts and decision, PD. How many times must I have said to you in all of our years together, and especially when I was a TBM, that I know... I've just said I know that I knew I was born into the church because if I have been taught the gospel by missionaries, I wouldn't have believed it and I wouldn't have joined. And I've said that to you, that I felt it was a blessing to be born into it because I wouldn't have believed it. And then I say to myself, well, why? It's just crazy, isn't it? You know, why, why believe it just because you're born into it? I suppose it's it's the conditioning, isn't it, and, and the mind. Uh, and that's why I go back to what I said that I I didn't want to try and convert my friends. You don't wanna you don't wanna alienate people, you wanna try and still have a good friendship. I had massive admiration for what you did in those two years because I knew that I couldn't do it. But then time moves on and you feel for these missionaries, you know, and as they come out of it, 
because they start to discover for themselves that they were asked to teach things that weren't the truth and perhaps and i know you felt this um i touched his leg again that um you've changed people's lives you know and you i don't say worry but you're mindful that you know through what you did you've changed the course of people's lives and if that's not based on truth you know that that's a difficult thing yeah yeah because the, the church does have a massive effect because the same um the same process of leaving the church and leaving your whole your tribe and your community that's the same for some people going into the church because people will you know say to them what are you doing you're crazy and and different things so you're asking people to make a, a massive change in their lives and and that brings us to this final point be baptized and you might think it's nuts that you would ask someone to be baptized after half an hour of kind of literally i kid you not and i never saw this guy again but we went into his house we taught him a first discussion and the spirit dictated to me to ask him to be baptized so i did and he accepted and then we chased him and chased him and tried to find him for months afterwards and he just ghosted us obviously he realized that he was caught up in some sort of emotion um wasn't thinking straight but it says in the old and the new uh, just here in the old one additional comments baptism whenever the spirit prompts you that the investigators are ready investigators that's ambitious more than one invite them to commit themselves to be baptized this commitment should be made as early as possible as appropriate use the invitation um uh, to be baptized in the instruction booklet but that's nuts we interviewed some jehovah's witnesses uh, jt and lady d and they said that six months to be baptized was quick but they were talking about literally i think if the local ward was happy with it they'd be like just take them in the pond outside get on with it well, if I asked you the question, BD, I know it's a long way back to think about when you were 19 and saving your mission, but do you think that you would have agreed with the statement that you should be um, committing them as mm. early as possible? At the time, yes, because it was all about the numbers. So you wanted to, you needed to have people scheduled to be baptised. You needed to have people yeah, on the on the boil. So, yeah, you need to, and they still do it today. And I don't mean to sound critical, but you answered that as if to say, yes, but it was about you. Not about that person. No, it was about all. you and your numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And and because there's no, they're not converted. Yeah. You know, these, this is why when you see someone come to church, you see them once or twice, you don't know their name. But you hear there's a baptism on Sunday that they want everyone to come to. You see them baptized, and then you never see them again. Yeah. Maybe once or twice. And then it becomes a problem for the ward because you end up like here in the UK with ward lists of four or five hundred people long. And then um yeah. I just think they disappear. I might be a bit out of here, but I think you know, to meet someone on the street and challenge them to be baptized in your first meeting is a little bit extremist 
you know what? You know when you meet someone and you're just vibing with them? Like, you meet someone and you just get along straight away. Actually, no, it didn't go like that for me. Ah, shut up, weirdo. Carry on. So, no, but you meet someone and you just vibe with them. So you're, you're just going back and forth in a conversation. It feels like you've known them forever. When you meet that person, you're a missionary. That's when you ask them to be baptized because you feel great about it. You're just like, oh, wow. And then when they're like, oh, no, this just got really weird. You know, you're asking me to be baptized outside Wilco's. Um, but hey. but they still do that today. Uh, here on the left-hand side, this is from the current Preach My Gospel taken from the website today. Invitation to be baptized as directed by the Spirit during this or any other lesson. Do not hesitate to invite people to be baptized and confirmed. It appears they go one step further in Preach My Gospel. We will be holding a baptismal service on and give them the date, ask them to get their diary out. So can we just slip you in on that date too? Yeah. Well, that's when you lie to them. Okay. Because that's kind of, you want to sell someone a battleship, but rather than say, uh, you know, will you buy a battleship? You say, what color would you like your battleship in? So you, you, they answer and they've already made the decision because you've gone past that point. So you're saying to them, oh. oh, we've already got this going on. Do you want to come to that one and just like, get it done? Get do you it want out to get way. in on it? Fear of missing out? Yeah, FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this amazing deal. But yeah, no, it's a lot of the time that's, that's a lie because how many people have baptismal services just coming up? I mean, there will be times when you do, but... Yeah, I don't like that in breach my gospel. No, that they're already putting dates to it. Well, anyway, that's the first discussion. You've had the first discussion. How do you feel? Quite traumatized, actually. Yeah. Well, we. I know we always said you just touched on it a moment ago. We always said to the missionaries when they come around, it was a good job we were both born into the church because if the missionaries had come around, we'd never believed it. And I'm just sat here thinking, you know, we, we've talked about this. Is the reason, is there more than one reason that they have this age that you go on the mission? Essentially, I'm trying to say, if there were an old couple on the street selling religion, would, you know, would people be more likely to stop, less likely to stop? And we all say, it, you know, there's something about these Americans in their suits, with their badges, you know, they're different to us. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable. I'm well, a bit uncomfortable. Sister PD, at least you know we're going to hell in a handbasket and we're going together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you, everyone, for being here again. Um, yeah, hit the like button. Where are we up to so far? We're up to 33, doing well. So see if we can hit the 100 mark and maybe go past the 200 mark uh, that we hit last week. And again, just a reminder, PD's Paramormal Investigation, I'll be filming this week. Think of me on Tuesday night in a haunted hotel where I will be, uh, yeah, asking the spirits to choose their favorite Book of Mormon uh, scripture or looking at a rock in a hat or maybe giving some passwords to see if anyone wants to come and shake my hand. And I'll be tucked up nice and safe in bed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's a fundraiser there as well. You can go to the GoFundMe page um, and the link is in the description below. But 
from me and from Sister PD. Thank you very much. See you later. See you later. Bye.